Let's get sweaty. Hello everyone and welcome to the brand new season of Shenmue Dojo Interviews. I am Matt, your host as ever, and I'm excited to introduce my first guest of this new season today. My opening guest on this new season of Shenmue Dojo Interviews is a well-known YouTube content creator. Probably best known for his game sales series where he sells games to unsuspecting customers. He is also a well-known Shenmue content creator, delivering insightful takes on the Shenmue franchise as a whole and giving a broad take on our wide range of topics within the community. I am pleased to announce that my first guest today is Manny Magnus Garcia. Welcome, Magnus, to the dojo. How are you doing on this fine Sunday afternoon? I am doing pretty amazing. What about yourself? I'm all good. Um, it's nice and cold over here. I'm a bit strange. I like the cold. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, I hear it gets pretty cold over there. Same here. We're freezing, freezing our tails off over here on the east coast in the U.S. Yeah, we're not, we're not too bad. I think you get it colder than we do. Certainly where I am, anyway. Certainly. But I'm glad to have finally got you on. Um, you were my, my first interviewee of season two. It's so an honour. It's an absolute pleasure to have you. So we're going to jump you. straight on in, if if I may. And I always do this with every guest. Nice life breaker. Can you give me sort of a rundown of your, of your gaming history, favourite games and consoles or before you discovered Shenmue? Sure. Um Gaming history goes back into the 80s. My first console was a uh, Commodore uh, VIC-20. It was like a Commodore 64. So that 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 goes way back there. That's when I first dis- start, uh, discovered gaming, specifically with games such as like uh, obscure game like Tooth Invaders, for example. And then another game that is more popular, Frogger. But this yeah. version of Frogger was, I think, distributed by Sega, if I'm not correct. So that was my first exposure to Sega. And then from there, I owned a Sega Master System. And I got that around uh, 86, 87. And that's where I really started to get into collecting games and, and different you know, type of gaming styles. Um, but it was very obscure back then. Um, and then from then on, I was really a Sega fan because in the States, as opposed to elsewhere, elsewhere, Nintendo was a predominant system to own in the late 80s. So, and back then it was, um, people would call the system by the manufacturer's name. So they wouldn't say NES or Nintendo Entertainment System. It was just Nintendo. And I wouldn't call it a Sega Master System. I would just call it a Sega. That's my Sega. That's Nintendo. Kids didn't know what Sega was, but everybody had a Nintendo. And that's what you called a video game system back then. So, and then from there, it grew on to uh, just getting Sega. I just stuck with Sega consoles. I, to this day, I've never purchased a Nintendo console. Not that I don't like Nintendo. It just it just didn't feel right. It just didn't feel <laughs> part of me. So I, you know, owned a Genesis and international and mega cd and that that uh is called i guess mega drive and mega cd but yeah i have that in front of me i I still have my uh 
my my consoles from way back then. Then I upgraded to uh, PlayStation. I did not get a Saturn because of the uh, market at the time. Didn't seem like Saturn was going to last much longer. And and that was around ninety eight. Then I went to Dreamcast and Shenmue, and then that's where my um, that my love for the franchise started, of course. But it actually also started much earlier than that as well. And then to today, I, I just stuck with the PlayStation consoles until PS4. I do not own a PS5 due to shortages, but that's where my gaming history comes in. And my favorite franchises are Shenmue, of course. Yeah. Um, Metal Gear Solid franchise Good. and the Resident that. Evil franchise. So all of those. And then the classic Sonic games, I absolutely adore. So Sonic Mania, when that came out, I was just <laughs> so happy. So that's that's gaming history kind of styles that I like too. But I I I own and love so many different franchises. It's really difficult to pick. But since I got this from Metal Gear, like a I'm holding a those tubs like ducks. oh yeah 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 and then another one for Shenmue so <laughs> <laughs> I'd have to say that those are pretty powerful franchises if I have those yeah definitely and I love those tubs ducks those such a good idea the snake one's really good actually yeah yeah it's pretty cool but if you had to choose out of one of those two tubs which is your favorite one um I, <laughs> that's a good great question <laughs> Uh, you know what? The, the snake, he has like a weapon in hand and he looks like pretty like pretty cool. And, and the Ryo Hazuki is, is also perfect because it matches his personality. So it's really, really hard to choose. What's interesting, too, is that on the side of the Shenmue um, tubs, it's only got Ryo. And then mm. on the Metal Gear Solid, it's got other characters on the side. So... Yeah. For me, it's kind of like Rio wins because he's he, he's one of a kind, honestly. And this one, to me, this one is on the top of my shelf. And this is like a little bit down. So Brilliant. Rio wins. Love it. Good choice as well. Right answer. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, talking about Shenmue itself, uh, when yes. did you first come across it and how did you first come across it? Well, that's a great, um, great question. To me, it was, it was come across because a cousin of mine, who's actually streaming Shenmue Three on his channel, almost on a daily basis, um, he told me about the game coming to Dreamcast. It's a game that you can basically do anything you want, go anywhere you want, and pretty much fiddle with everything. Yeah. He told me because that had been a concept that I had dreamt about since like the early 90s when it comes to gaming. Um, when it came to like games such as on the Sega CD, there was a lot of like digital uh, games that, you know, you recorded uh, yeah. footage and then it was like gameplay. That type of gameplay in my young little naive mind was like, wow, you can show anything on a screen. Imagine a world where you can it looks real and you can do anything you want. And obviously that concept in 1991 was too early, too early to think of that concept. But Yu Suzuki already had that in mind. Little did I know. Um, and then I always talked about that concept. So then when my cousin told me they're making a game like you've spoken about for so many years, 
I immediately, I was in college at the time, and I immediately had to look up, what is this Shenmue? What, what the heck is this about? And then I saw kind of uh, like stills on the internet back then. Um, website, uh, websites I used to go to were, were pretty obscure at, at that time, at that time too, when it comes to gaming sites, but they at least had a lot of that, those early screenshots. And I absolutely like fell for it. I'm like, this looks amazing and nothing like what's out there today. And that concept is something that I've always dreamt about. So I've got to get on this series. Brilliant. It's a really, really good answer to hear that it's something you've been thinking about for so long. And then they put it out on a on a plate almost and said, right, this is almost tailor made for you. Yes, yes, yes. And that's that's why um, that's why I gravitated toward it. And every time there was something else announced or when the release was coming or when it was expected to be out, I was on it. I was reading those articles, consuming everything I could and and hearing that it was coming out in Japan first before it came out here, I was like impatient, like, hurry up. <laughs> I need to play this game. So do you remember when you first played it? It's a long time ago for all of us, but do you remember that that moment when you popped that disc into your Dreamcast? Yes. You fired it up and that opening cutscene kicked off. Do you, do you remember it? And what were, you, what were you thinking? What were you feeling at that time? Well, I got it day one on launch day. Super excited. This is actually, I'm holding up the the, the same one that I bought on launch day. And I, I popped it in home, really excited to play it. And I saw the opening cutscene, which honestly, a lot of it had been spoiled for me already because I was looking it up constantly. So I knew what was basically going to happen in the beginning. But something that wasn't clear back then in any of the marketing was really what the game was really about. I had no idea that it would have a deep story. I was just so enamored with the fact that you can experience day and night cycle, kind of do what you want. That's what I really wanted to experience. So I wasn't into the story. So then when I saw the opening cutscene, it grabbed me in, in a different way, in a way that I did not expect. It's now it has like a compelling story that now, not only do I want to, through all of the distractions. But now I want to know what the heck is going on? Where are we going with this? So that was the high point. Yeah. Then I will be honest. When the next day happened after, you know, the, the opening cutscene, and we were just kind of left on our own to kind of like move around. Yeah, yeah. I was completely like, what do I do now? Where do I go? And the music just brings you down because of the powerful events that just happened. I did not know how I felt early on. Yeah. So it, it so progressing through the first couple of cutscenes and the and the dialogue and then walking around, I was just kind of sad. <laughs> I was just sad. So I, I just kind of turned it off and didn't play it for a while because it, it kind of it was it was just as immersive as I wanted it to be. The audio was a little bit a little bit too compressed for my liking yeah. at, at the time too. However, it was still obviously a lot to do, but it was overwhelming. It, it shifted my emotions to a place that I didn't expect, and I actually put it down for a few weeks. Okay, that's my first impression. So you've put it down for a few weeks, and. Yes. I think it's fair to say, having spoken to a lot of different people about Shenmue, you're probably not alone in that because it was 
probably the first of its kind. What made you go back to it? Okay, so um, that cousin of mine that I told you that he uh, yeah. that that he told me about it, he got it same day as I did. He asked me, "Hey, have you played it?" And I and I was like, "Yeah, I really didn't get into it too far." And he's like, "Are you kidding me? This game is amazing. You have to go back <laughs> in and play it. What are you doing?" He's like, "I'm totally towards the end of the game. It's it's awesome." So I was like, "All right, I'll give it another shot because he he's he's been a hardcore gaming fan just as long as I've been. So when he has an opinion on something and we have that in common, I'll try it out." So I jumped back in and I said, okay, I'm really going to immerse myself in this world, something that I've been waiting such a long time for. And I gave it patience and I gave it time. And from then on, I was hooked. It like immediately grabbed me because I was over that emotional intro, right? Yeah. And I was able to kind of recognize the world, appreciate the world for what it was. And then I love a good story in video games. To me, that that'll pull me in more than impressive graphics or or sometimes even gameplay. If a story is good enough, I'll deal with somewhat frustrating gameplay if the story is is good enough. So great, excellent. And then you've powered your way through the game, mm-hmm. and you hit the ending. Obviously, I'm getting ready for Shenmue two. Can you remember right. sort of how you felt when you finished Shenmue? And in anticipation of the second game. Yes. Now, in the States, Shenmue came out in November 2000. So by the time I finished it, it was starting to be, and it took me a while. I I had a lot of things going on at the time. So I'd say probably January, February 2001 is when I finished it. Um, Around there. Yeah. But I was also keeping up with the Dreamcast scene at the time. And, and, at that time, it was really desperate. Uh, Sega was trying anything that they possibly could to stay relevant in the gaming industry. And because I knew this, I was worried. And when I got to the end of Shenmue, I was like, well, what's going to happen to Shenmue 2? And then when the Dreamcast in March of 2001 was pretty much no more development of the Dreamcast, that they were done. Again, I was like, what's going to happen with Shenmue 2? Because I knew a lot of development had happened for Shenmue 2. Yeah. Um, and then I heard it was still coming out, but I, I thought, it's how? <laughs> if, <laughs> if I see it, where will I see it? So it was, it was questionable. Will I see it on another console? You know, I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not ready to accept this, but I want to see this story going. But I kept up and I knew, you know yeah. what? It is coming for Dreamcast. I can't wait to get this. I'm keeping up until I found out, of course, a little bit later. The U.S. is not getting Shenmue 2. Yeah, I remember (laughs) Europe was, Japan was, but we were uh, Xbox on an exclusivity deal. So that was disappointing to me. I didn't want an Xbox. I wanted to play Shenmue 2 on my Dreamcast. So um, from a story perspective... You know that because of that cliffhanger ending too, it it obsessed me more about yeah. wanting to get to the sequel, right? Because I feel like I played a full part one, and it's like I almost feel like I did nothing. I, I was distracted while Landy was able to do whatever he wanted, <laughs> and then like, <laughs> like what he got away with it. He literally got away with murder. 
and just left. <laughs> and I'm like, what, what, what's going on here? So, um, the wait was cut short, thankfully, because I, I didn't import it at the, t this is my original Dreamcast version of Shenmue 2 that I purchased in 2001. Um, when it was released in Europe, a, a, there was a video game store, like a block and a half from where I lived yeah. and they imported it. Okay, and great. I was there. I walked into the store just to look at their whatever Dreamcast games they had in stock. This just happened to be sitting there. And I said, I, I didn't waste no time. I, said, I want that. And then they looked at me. They're like, do you have a U.S. Dreamcast? I was like, yeah. You know, we'll say, sell you this boot disc that, that'll let you, because you can't play without it. I'm like, I already got it. Yeah. <laughs> Don't bother. <laughs> Don't bother. <laughs> you sure? I'm like, yeah, trust me. You're not talking to a rookie. <laughs> You know, so, and then I was once again happy playing Shenmue 2. So, you, you, again, sort of similar question to Shenmue 1. You whack that into your Dreamcast, Shenmue 2 boots up. Yes. Obviously, you're, you're anticipating the continuation of the story. Yes. How did it make you feel, sort of A, playing it, and B, the change of scope between Shenmue 1 and Shenmue 2? You know, the the my first initial reaction was because at the time that I got a hold of Shenmue 2, the Dreamcast was already discontinued. Yeah. I was already feeling like, okay, these other consoles, um, especially PlayStation 2, is next generation. You know, it, it's really, really where the business is going and Xbox yeah. as well. Um, and I was like, my little Dreamcast that could still had some fight in it when i popped in this disc and i saw the opening sequence arriving at the harbor and it felt more cinematic it felt a lot more uh like like it really pushed the storytelling um style to the next level yeah and graphically i did notice a a downgrade in the polygon count for npcs and that was a little bit like, uh, they looked a little bit uh, more uh, detailed in Shenmue 1. But um, I saw why they did that, the, because the size of the areas in Shenmue 2 were just massive. And the amount of people walking around, just massive. So that in itself just captured me. And then it brought me right back in the story. And I loved uh, just the opening sequences and all the little things that happen right when you're um, landing in Hong Kong, just, just, I couldn't put it down. <laughs> I, I think I finished it like less than a week because I just love the game. Brilliant. And sort of fast forwarding in a little bit, obviously you've had the rooftop scene with Landy getting away with murder again, which is yeah. one of my personal all-time gaming highs. I don't think anything's ever topped it yes and then you go to guilin can you yes. talk me through how you felt between sort of that all-time high of, so close to landy you're within touching distance of this man and then he flies off into the sunset and you end up in guilin with a very different pace you know it, that i first of all i did not expect it to I did not expect to go to Guilin and I did not see that happening when I was 
looking up at Landy. Now, for those who don't know, there were four discs in the yeah. Dreamcast version of Shenmue 2. We were on disc three mm-hmm. when that happened. There was a complete fourth disc that I had no idea what was going to happen in that fourth disc. So if Landy was getting away, I'm like so close, but I've got another GD-ROM to go. <laughs> so something's got to happen. So that's why I was a little bit like, I'm close, you're getting away, but there's still plenty to happen here. But that whole sequence, then everything started feeling like an ending um, from the end of, of pretty much that chapter where everything seemed to be wrapping up where you were in that location. And okay, it seems like Wheelin's a destination. Ren's like excited to go there. We're going to go there first. We're saying goodbye to everybody. And then it's like, okay, this is going to be another. We're going to walk around in Guilin. It's going to slow down a little bit. We're going to run into Landi and do what we have to do. But in my head, I was like, this better be the ending because Dreamcast is done. <laughs> like, <laughs> they've got to. I know there's, there's so many chapters in Yu Suzuki's like long saga of Shenmue. But can you squeeze it in one disc? <laughs> because we have nowhere to go from here. So that's how I felt, at least at, at that portion. Like, you're getting away, but not for long. I almost got you. And then, of course, Guilin showed us something different. Yeah, very different. The cave and the floating sword and the mirrors. Yes. Obviously, Dreamcast at this point, is, as you say, it's dead. It's done. We know it's going to Xbox at this point. How did you sort of... Did you think Shenmue 3 could end up on Xbox? What were your thoughts around the ending as well, in terms of what they did? Well, I'll start with the ending itself. Um, yeah. I, I was I was confused. I was interested, intrigued, because it started to almost take a mythical direction um, rather than everything based on solely martial arts. So based on that, I was excited, intrigued, and like, this was not what I expected, but okay, I'll have another one, please. And I did feel that because the series, there was a lot of money poured into this series, yeah. and Sega really cared about this franchise, as, as Yu Suzuki did as well. So I felt it was inevitable. And because they were porting it to Xbox which wouldn't have been my first choice initially, mm. but um, but it was okay because I almost felt like Xbox was kind of like trying to take the reins from Sega since they dropped out and they had worked together previously. Yeah. So I, I felt like Xbox was... And, and if you looked at the original Duke Xbox controller or, or even the, the more modernized one, to me, it resembled somewhat of a Dreamcast uh, controller. Yeah. So I was I was kind of like, okay, Xbox is the the successor of Dreamcast. But then um, as time went on and I saw sh- how Shenmue was treated, Shenmue 2 itself for Xbox was put on sales, promoted, put on sales. But when you compared it to games that released at the time for Xbox, it was kind of being overshadowed. Yeah. And because the graphics themselves, though improved from, from the original Dreamcast version, they were not an example of what the Xbox could do because the Xbox yeah. was was more powerful than the Dreamcast. So I felt it was like kind of thrown to the side. And yeah. then finding Shenmue in like 
about less than a year in bargain bins. I'll never forget that. I found Shenmue 2 in bargain bins for the Xbox version. And I was very disappointed. I'm sure it got more fans when it came out. Um, but I was just disappointed at that point. Although I felt that a sequel had to be in the works. And it would happen because I saw that there were promotions that they released in the coming years of, if you recall, uh, Shenmue Online, for example. Yeah, yeah. In the early 2000s and the mid 2000s, online was starting to really take off online gaming. So I think to substantiate the massive costs and of the original Shenmue series, they're like, okay, if we make it an online, perhaps we can figure out a way to monetize this. And yeah. it's what's popular nowadays. That was at a time where like Final, Fan Final Fantasy XI on PlayStation 2 was, was uh, released and it was starting to become re relevant. Other uh, MMORPGs were starting to become really relevant and take up mainstream success. So Shenmue was going to jump in that boat with Shenmue Online. And I didn't like it personally because yeah. I wanted the story to continue. Uh, but I felt anything just to get a little bit more of of what that world is like. So I, I would take it. And then if that was successful, I would think possibly a Shenmue 3 would happen or or we'd go in a different direction. So and then, you know, that that's where I wanted uh, it to go just to keep releasing content, to keep it fresh in gamers minds. Yeah. But um we know what happened from there. Uh, ultimately, as we as we both know, and anybody who's listened to this knows, um, Shenmue Online never saw the light of day, barring a yeah. couple of trailers and a few bits and pieces of news articles. Um, massively troubled development, probably a probably a topic in itself, actually, when yes. you think about it. And barring sort of some fleeting mentions here and there, Shenmue coming back, um, through sort of the late sort of. Nor two thousand you know, late two thousands into two thousand and tens, etc. Barring one Sega post on Sega Europe where they confirmed Shenmue three was in development, but I think that was before Shenmue Online. In fact, um, it was dead. The franchise right. was unfortunately it had died. So fast forwarding, obviously, a little bit. Did you keep up with the community? in the in-between years before E3 2015? Or did you go, right, draw a line under it? If it happens, fantastic. But at this point, it's prob probably unlikely. Well, what, when it comes to at least the Shenmue community, I had, I had at least kept up to date with it when Shenmue itself was coming out and when Shenmue was released and Shenmue 2 was coming out and when it was released. I had... The first uh, exposure that I had to Shenmue was actually that same cousin that I told you about. Yeah. He started building a website in the year 2000. He called it uh, Dreamcast Fans, I, I believe. It was Dreamcast Fanatics. He okay. Called it. Yeah. It, was, it was way back when it was like, the, you know, these different services had like free website builders. So he built one, um, Dreamcast Fanatics, and he had dedicated his, a lot of his channel on Shenmue. And then he pointed me in the direction of uh, Shenmue Dojo. Yeah. So back then I, I logged on to Shenmue Dojo just to get all of the information that I could possibly get off of Shenmue. And that's kind of where I kept up with it. But then over the years, as I was growing into maturity, because those were years of my life where 
I, I finished college. I was started work, being distracted. Yeah. Uh, less time to really pay attention to the gaming scene. I mean, again, I would always just kind of look up what's the latest and greatest and just go on different websites. Mm -hmm. But as far as from that perspective, from a life perspective, it was kind of like starting to pull away from that. Of course, yeah. Um, so, but whenever I would search Shenmue in any like search engine, I would put Shenmue 3, enter, and see what came up because I, I needed that to happen. And then it, well, eventually it did. So we fast forward into the build up to E3 2015 Shenmue's been dead at this point for you know the best part of coming up 15 years really there's been murmurs there's been fake articles there's been fake i think in actually that year there was a, a fake photoshop done of of the the leaves coming down and square doing it at that point did you did you think pre yuzuzuki forklift tweet of course did you think anything was coming at that E3 not at all. I, I I will tell you that every E3 before that, it, uh, um, it was almost like a running joke. Like, you think they'll announce Shenmue 3? You think they'll yeah. announce Shenmue 3? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ha, 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 you know? Yeah. No way, right? And there would be, it, we almost got used to the fact that Shenmue 3 wasn't coming out. Or what, uh, or if it was, it was just like a pipe dream. What really took out that, feeling of ever getting a Shenmue 3 was when the news came out that Yu Suzuki was no longer with Sega. Yeah, of course. When that happened, which was a few years prior to that, that's it. That killed my dreams because I'm like, without them two working together, Sega owns the franchise. Yu Suzuki created the franchise. Um, how are you going to finish it? So if he left, then that's it. Then there is no Shenmue. Um, so whenever those rumors and I would hear those rumors, it meant nothing. So 2015 was the same. Another Shenmue, ha 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 ha, not happening. When Yu Suzuki tweeted out the forklift, I did not see it. Oh, really? I really no idea that he tweeted a forklift. I was oblivious to that news. I was, I wanted to see E3. I wanted to see like the conferences, um, but no, I had, I had not paid attention to that type of, I just wanted to see the conferences, see what's announced. Yeah. And go from there. Okay. So we're into the three conferences. Now you're at, you're watching the Sony conference, which already let, let's be honest about that particular conference, arguably one of the greatest E3 has ever seen final fantasy seven remake. The last guardian makes a massive, massive wave. And then they talk about Kickstarter and then the, the, the Shenmue leaves start falling and you hear that music. And I'm getting tinges now talking about that. Yeah. Talk me through your emotions when, when those leaves started coming down. Well, I'll tell you, let me set the scene. Go on. Yeah. So I'm sitting right in front of my computer and my computer at the time was in a dining room where, where I was, uh, cooking dinner and just watching the conferences very comfortable yeah and i'm watching sony's conference i missed the beginning part of it so i did not see the last guardian okay but i did see the final fantasy 
7 remake announcement. And I was like, wow, that got me sitting and pay attention. Like that, that was crazy. And normally I like to watch um, the conferences on like full screen, but this one was, I was on a different website for some reason. I, I couldn't find where they were playing the, the, the conference. So it was like a smaller screen, but I was like leaning into that screen, like, oh man, this is, this is crazy. Then they played right after the Final Fantasy VII um, yeah. announcement. They played a few uh, kind of indie titles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And those indie titles were, I just kind of cooled off a little bit, but I was kind of like, oh, this is pretty good. But I wasn't invested. Then the presentation started. This is something that the PlayStation fans have been very, very, very vocal about. And then he just kind of gets quiet. Lights turn off. And I'm like, what what have they been vocal about like <laughs> like completely off like what are they talking about i heard the first few notes and i don't think my head was facing the screen it was like i heard and my like shenmu came in my head and it was like this is a lie <laughs> like like it just didn't <laughs> seem real so i just froze and I know there are a lot of reactions. I've seen a ton of reactions online because I was just gulping it up after that happened. A lot of people jumped and screamed. I was frozen stiff. The world stopped functioning around me. I didn't have a, a screaming shock. It was kind of like, what is happening? Like, I'm in a different world because this is actually happening. And I'm seeing Yu Suzuki. I'm, I'm hearing the music. I'm, I'm getting teary. Like... How is this happening? And like, it was shocking. And and I think I, I completely disregarded everything I was hearing. I couldn't even hear them talk because my the world was like, what? I heard just the music and I was singing Shenmue. And then, please welcome Yu Suzuki. He comes out on stage. And I'm like, I can't believe this is actually happening. And then they start a countdown. Again, I told you, I, I I didn't know what they were saying. I was like in another world. And then they, they were doing a countdown. I'm like, what's happening? Why are they counting down? And then they, they showed Kickstarter. And I was like, oh, <laughs> well, that's funded <laughs> immediately. <laughs> like an hour so later. That, yeah, yeah. It was, it was incredible. I actually, um, when it was happening... Uh, I actually recorded because I funded it like Kickstarter's website crashed. Yeah. Um, I couldn't get on as well. I wanted to fund it immediately or not fund it completely by myself. Two million. Here you go. No, I mean, at least give some <laughs> money to it. Um, I, I had to wait till the next day before I can contribute. But I then was like marking the time where it was actually hitting a million dollars. And I recorded on my phone. I still have that footage to this day. And then I and then I recorded like the countdown went went with the total like funded amount. But it was like such an amazing inspirational gaming moment for all gamers, not just Shenmue fans, but for all gamers that if you really, really push for something and you really want it, it can damn right happen. You just have to really want it. And that was an example to me that shows never give up, which was, you know, it, it affected my life too since then, to be honest. 
it's I think it's it's a powerful moment in gaming. I don't, whether you're a fan of Shenmue or not, I think as you say, it's a standout moment in gaming that if you want something, you can get it. Yeah. It was the impossible, yeah. without doubt. How many, like you say, years of E3? It was a joke. It was a joke. Shenmue Three yeah. High is not happening. Every yeah. year, every year, and then it did, and mm. the world stopped for that three four minute presentation it stops mm. kickstarter breaks everything goes haywire and no matter what you think of shenmue as a franchise if you're coming into this nil whatever you can't argue the impact on gaming that had at that point it for me anyway yes yes and that's that that event that moment will stand the test of time as as you've said, one of the greatest E3 moments of all time. I don't think I've been as excited for E3. I mean, the world has changed since then, but yeah. no E3 has captured my attention, my appreciation as much as those moments of E3. And it was collectively just, just an awesome conference with uh, The Last Guardian and Final Fantasy VII Remake. And then, of course ending with the greatest surprise that uh none of us expected no so, yeah no but it did we got there we backed it the game happened we'll talk about the game itself in a minute obviously it went through several changes of release date there were several controversies around the Shenmue 3 kickstarter in terms of were sony funding it or not I mean, that was later cleared up in terms of it was a marketing and um, third-party publishing deal, which obviously then got superseded by Deep Silver. You had the 2017 trailer, the Dead Eyes issue, which the press jumped on. You had the epic stuff on top of that. How? Uh, just, I want your take on the Kickstarter obviously finishing and then the subsequent things around it. How, how do you think that affected Shenmue? going forward before the game even came out Uh, it was a bit frustrating for the community very frustrating it's almost like why do we always have to explain what we would think is common sense yeah from a gaming perspective yeah um the the one thing that that i picked up on immediately and i knew from the get-go is that if you funded the Kickstarter and they had the description, they originally promised that the game would release in 2017. Yeah. And it was 2015 when we're funding it. I was praying that that would be delayed because yes. how do you make a Shenmue game in to retail in less than two years? Yeah. Unless you're making something very, very simple, very yeah. kind of pulled down, right? Absolutely. Um, so I was praying for a delay in that um and then with with that funding controversy and who's really funding it and sony said right from the beginning that that it, they had asked their audience what game the audience wanted to see most and it was shenmue um i had hoped that shen that the uh, playstation was backing them um for more than just marketing i was disappointed yeah. that it was just marketing because i didn't care how they got their money I just wanted them to to make a, have enough to make a a really expansive game. So people saying, "Hey, why why are they you asking from from Kickstarter fans 
um, when you have all these corporations behind you? Well, they didn't have. No one had faith in Shenmue. None of these companies had faith in Shenmue. Gaming is a business. Yeah, It's a business to make money. You invest, and what you want is a return on your investment, preferably a large return on your investment. When you look at the Shenmue franchise, unfortunately, it had a bad history of profitability. Now, that's due to a number of issues um, that, unfortunately, no one can predict. It's just the way the industry moved. Yeah. But with so many years having passed since Shenmue 2, 2001 to 2015, there really wasn't any... um, developer that would back up an aged franchise whose fan base have gotten so much older and new games that were coming out were pretty much already surpassing the original ideas that Yu Suzuki has from an open world perspective. So it just almost didn't seem relevant to someone for someone to invest their money. But Yu Suzuki was able to use Kickstarter and PlayStation saw that there was still enough interest in this franchise. And the question was asked, the $2 million was set not as a, this is going to be your total investment. This was like, if you can get people to give you at least this much, which $2 million is not a small number, then we'll see what we can do. That's what the original expectation was. That's how I felt right when the kick started. I'm like, there's no way they're going to make it for $2 million. This must be a... Uh, if we get here that far. And additional funds also helps as well. So the fact that it blew past that, I was happy. Um, But then again, I was disappointed that more money from these other companies um, wasn't put in until much later in the development cycle. So that's how I felt about the controversy. But then there was something else that happened too. And that was... Coming close to launch, um, there was a few things that happened during t- uh, the um, the decision to bring uh, Shenmue to like Steam, but then they took it off of Steam and they put yeah. it on to, uh, the uh, the other uh, Epic platform, yeah. Epic, Epic Games. Yeah. So when that happened, you had a lot of like um, new sites. And even YouTubers saying, oh, you know, how could you do this? The Shenmue supporters are angry. And I was not angry at all. I was like, if this means more money for the game, let it happen. There were there were a, a lot of uh, contributors that were upset about this, too, as I stalked the, yeah. um, the Kickstarter page that they were upset, which I, I understand um, from that perspective. But I thought in the end, they were doing what was best to bring the most complete game and if that meant that epic games funded more in order to get their exclusivity which happens in consoles all the time um then okay again it was it was not positive distractions although i will say as a final thought controversy creates cash the more people talk about it the more curiosity there is as to what something is yeah and that's why i was like it's frustrating, but at the same time, you have the word Shenmue coming out of, of large content creators, and that can't be a bad thing. So it's a mixed bag, isn't it? I think is the way I'd put it. Um 
the epic deal like you i didn't care like i i think we're both of an age remembering when steam started coming out and the the controversy around that i remember you had to boot half-life 2 with a code to go to steam and the, the issues that were around that that died off yes the epic outrage there is still some of it but it's dying down yeah and that's what got me among those i mean there's other issues as well around it which i won't go into now but it seemed for me as a personal level i'd have been playing shenmue wherever it was I didn't. No questions asked. If you, if I had to buy an Xbox, I'd have bought an Xbox, or whatever. As long as I had that game in my hands, a change of storefront isn't going to bother me. I get it. I get some people were upset. Um, I will quote that Steam wasn't actually ever mentioned until 2018, the June that right. year. Right. So, from a community standpoint. I can see that the ones who may have backed the slacker in that year when that steam was mentioned, I think have every right to be upset. But anybody else, with with all due respect, it's an assumption. We assumed, me included on this, I I assumed it would be steam outright. So for me, the, the whole people getting wound up, I just, I saw it as a, what are you getting upset about? Yeah. But that's that's just me. Yeah, and, yeah. And it is what it is. It's happened. It's been through. And Shenmue, for for want of a better word, got dragged through the mud for it. But then other titles did as well at the same time. And Epic was a hot topic at the time yes. with their exclusivity, yeah. their their cuts to publishers and developers. I mean, who would who wouldn't take a higher cut to go somewhere else? I mean, from a business point of view, it makes absolute sense total sense and and again uh console makers do it all the time exactly details so from a pc perspective it's it's all it's all the same it's a gaming industry that's how it works it's to make money yeah exactly it's to make money but we'll park that there for now because this again it's probably a topic in itself yes i've covered these on my channel as well so all of these topics yes i have talked about the history of the Kickstarter development. I've talked about the buildup to Shenmue 3. All of this is is in my channel if you'd like to check it out as well. And make sure you do. And we'll talk a bit about your channel in a bit. So finally, we get Shenmue 3. It's in your hand. You're playing it. You finished it. Give me a sort of an abridged version of what you thought of Shenmue 3. Um, Strengths and weaknesses, all in pull no punches. Okay. Um, I have so much to say on that topic, uh, to be quite honest. Um, But a a shortened version of it is um, the intro to Shenmue 3 was at least like the first cut scene was I I did not expect that for the amount of money that we paid when compared to the original couple Shenmue games. And granted, now you had the Unreal Engine that you could work with. Now you had um, easier tools to develop uh, more complex, uh, you know, graphics and scenarios that weren't available back then when when uh, the original Shenmue games were were built. So I could understand that, but I did not expect this level of detail in all of in all of like the backgrounds and the different scenes. I was just amazed. Um, so I was like really impressed. Um, about by the intro and then 
when that high that that initial high that i had now i had already played the demo at yeah. this point so i kind of knew what what it was like but then when it was that first cut scene where um rio and shenhua are walking and talking and then the the, the camera would like turn black and then they yeah. talk again but they'd stand still turn black and then they yeah. walked again that pulled me out of it yeah I, I i felt that that the the direction of doing that was unnecessary and they should have just at least kept walking in one long shot and i would have been Absolutely. more comfortable with that so that design choice was it, it pulled me away so i'm like yeah now I see it's a Kickstarter, which is okay. <laughs> the story is still this story, but I can I can tell that there might have been a few shortcuts. Um, then you know, then I was just like, "This game's amazing!" <laughs> I just kept playing. <laughs> I really enjoyed Shenmue Three. Brilliant, and I know the story gets criticism, and we're an honest bunch here at the dojo. And one of my gripes is I don't think it did quite enough in that respect but there i also would argue and i'd be interested to see what your thoughts are on it they've had to spend so much time rebuilding everything from scratch they had no source code nothing from the original games to reference they did it all from scratch to get what we did is a minor miracle in my book warts and all what what do you think Uh, i agree with you on on the fact that a lot of time had to be spent just kind of building and this engine um but i also think a lot of time was also dedicated to the fans in this project this project was not meant and this is my opinion of course um from my perspective this project was not meant to be anything but a love letter to the fans the story progressed a tiny bit we got a few plot developments but the the intention wasn't to have a fully drawn out story in this game and the reason that i believe that is because you're you're kind of trying to get excitement built around shenmue you have a limited budget and your fans paid you so you better give your fans what they want which is kind of classic gameplay very familiar settings themes gameplay style with tweaks obviously modernized a bit but a lot of nostalgia and a lot of love for the fans. But if you want this franchise to continue and to build and be big, you don't want all the, or a lot of juicy developments to be in this, what is conceptually probably a smaller game than what the big vision is. Yeah. So I think it was purposely meant to be focused with the budget that they have, here you go, fans. This is for you. But from a story, once they have the real funds, once they have the real excitement built in, because Shenmue 3 was the reason Shenmue 1 and 2 were relaunched. So now it's yeah. fresh in people's minds again, which was really important for the Shenmue franchise. Shenmue 1, Shenmue 2 re-released 2018. Shenmue 3, 2019. Got people talking. Whatever their opinion was, it was now fresh in gamers' minds. Now we've got the Shenmue anime. Yep. Shenmue's in fresh in people's minds. Now you can say, well, now when you're presenting those publishers you can, for money, you can say, we were the most, uh, the highest, the most successful video game um, 
in Kickstarter history at the time, at least. I don't know if anything's broken their record don't now. Think so. Yeah, so fastest to $1 million and then the highest funded. Um, we, we're, we obviously can develop a game in a short amount of time and make it look good. The franchise now has an anime. There's a lot of already, um, there's, a, there's a goodwill amongst the fans that's already being built and the fan base is growing. So now it's like, give us the funding. We will make that epic game that will appeal to all audiences rather than start a new franchise from, from scratch. Yeah. You can just build upon what already has a large fan base. And that's why Shenmue three is the way it is. You, you want those really, we're salivating for story progression. Shenmue four can give you that yeah. with a bigger budget. And that's why Shenmue 3 is the way it is from a story perspective. Just my opinion. I'm not saying any... <laughs> Yu Suzuki didn't call me and, and say, hey, <laughs> say this. <laughs> it's just just my opinion. I think... But your opinion feeds into some of my thoughts around Shenmue 4. That they've got the engine. They've got mechanics. They've got everything they need. So that layer they've they had to spend with Shenmue 3 is done. So they can build that story. They can build that epic character development that that storytelling that i think we crave from the second shenmue which you know pushed the story on massively compared to the first game i right. think shenmue 4 can be what shenmue 2 was to shenmue 1 personally right. yes obviously we will see and the other sort of point here is is the anime now that came out of left field i think we all recognize that a little bit having seen the trailer and sort of seeing little the snippet of it that we have what what do you think of it and what do you want to see from the anime and where do you think it fits in the overall picture of Shenmue as, as a franchise my first initial thoughts was again absolutely smile from ear to ear like pleased with with the art style how everything looked um how it just came together and the quickness of it that trailer was pretty short but showed so much yeah, and so many details in it that that, from a storyline perspective, you can tell it's a little different. Yeah, but not in a bad way. It, it can take some creative liberties, but it it still seems to be pretty, pretty strong in the core when it comes to what Shenmue is. Um, and what I want want to see from a story perspective in that anime is tell the story that you want to tell. I don't care if it jumps into Shenmue 1, 2, 3. I don't care if it's only Shenmue 1. I don't care if it's only part of like the first Shenmue. I just want a good story with the amount of episodes that they're able to present. Directed in a way, produced in a way that keeps you salivating for more, wanting more. That's what I really care about. And as a fan, I would also want to see things that we didn't get to see in the games that yeah. kind of build upon the characters that have large backgrounds in, in Shenmue that we can see, we can read in like the Shenmue passport stories on different characters and what their background is. Can we see more of that in the actual yeah. show where you can actually build upon that? That's what I'd be curious to see. And I would want to see obviously, because it, it adds more to the character of, of everyone in the game. And to Ryo Hazuki himself, because Ryo Hazuki is a question asker. 
Ryo Hazuki is um, just kind of making observations and then saying them out loud and then angry. But where's all that coming from? I want to see his personality stand out a little bit more. So brilliant. And you mentioned content we haven't seen already. I would refer anybody who hasn't seen the trailer already, go and watch it because you'll see a very short three-second snippet of the much-talked-about karate tournament before A Wild Eyes. So if that is a taster of the things that they haven't included and there's things that we know, like the boat trip from Japan to Hong Kong, the door is wide open for some content that we've talked about for years that could could indeed make its appearance. And I think you're right as well in terms of creative liberties. I'm under the boat that it's a new medium, brand new medium for the franchise. So if they want to take some liberties in terms of creativity and doing a different twist on it, I'm okay with that as a fan, because I think if you stick strictly to the games, you're just going to be repeating what's already been done. And you need to get new people in with this anime as well, because it's a, it's a mainstream, um, platform for it it's, yes. a, it's massive and i'm sure you saw the wave that it made across social media when when this trailer came out and it's been overwhelmingly positive and i don't know about you but me i was smiling from ear to ear seeing all of that yes yeah that, i mean all of the positivity around the trailer it was something scary too i because it's it's something that you care so much about so before i watched it i was i was nervous it took me like a good minute when I saw that it was there, like to accept that if it's not good, it's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Like it'll be all right. And then, and then watching the video and being completely floored with the quality that they were able to put into just that trailer in a short amount of time. Um, And then of course announced in 2022, I'm like, that is just amazing. (laughs) I was, I was, um, I was pretty, pretty happy and seeing that the community is behind it and others are excited about the anime is just, I mean, good news for, for Shenmue fans. And it's this year, 2022. And I'm so excited. It could be any minute for all we know. I have no idea what's going on, but surprise launch tomorrow. Yeah. (laughs) Shadow drop it. Please don't. I think I'd suffer major yeah. anxiety if I did that. <laughs> Trying to plan out covering all of that content. It, it's crazy, but we're in a good we're we're in a good place as a community, the franchise. Yeah. It's in a good place. People like you say, people are talking about Shenmue. New people can yeah. experience Shenmue. The fan base can grow. And that like you say, it makes those conversations with publishers so much easier to have when we go anime, games. This is where we're going. Merchandise. Milk yeah, milk is dry, basically, is what right. I'm saying. Yeah. And all that medium, all that that uh, money that the series can potentially make based off of how much they've invested in growing the IP is, is something that will be lucrative to a publisher or multiple publishers. And the best scenario would be like a bidding war. Like, I want Shenmue. Put it on my platform. Put it on my platform. The The only thing that I would fear, of course, is um, console exclusivity. Mm. I would not want that with Shenmue. And though we got Shenmue 3 being exclusive to PS4, at least we got it in PC, so the audience kind of broadened. But I, 
I, I think one of the curses of the Shenmue franchise has been console exclusivity. And that yeah. needs to stop, in my opinion. Yeah, and I know the, the Xbox version of, well, I suppose Xbox version of, of 3. I mean, I, I don't know the deal, the, the details of the deal that were made at the time, but it seems unlikely, which is, which is a real shame because I think they could justify it and it can't be that difficult to port it from PC to Xbox, but whatever's happened behind the scenes has happened behind the scenes, unfortunately. Right. And I, I think to me, I don't ever see it coming to Xbox because Sony put it on its stage. Exactly. Sony funded uh, some of the project, at least the marketing. Right? Yeah. So Sony put so much money into it and for console exclusivity. There was nothing to me that says in that contract they didn't write permanent console exclusive. True, true. Right, where it's where you can't release at least maybe that port of the or that generation of Shenmue three anywhere else but PC and PS four. Again, giving Sony Sony would want that in their contracts because it gives people a reason to stick with Sony. Especially if you're a Shenmue fan, can't go anywhere else but PC or or PS4 if you own a console. Why would they not include that? And of course, they had the leverage at the time because really uh, Shenmue, the franchise, really ha didn't have anyone. So you would sign a contract that's that yeah. locked because you're getting the money that you need to make this game. And Sony already had. The majority of of uh, the gamers, at least around the world, supporting their console versus the much lower sales of the Xbox um, One at the time. Yeah. So it was like it was easy. It was easy for them to be like, "Yeah, we we're, we're going to distribute to millions of people." So it makes sense to sign that agreement. That's why you won't see it on Xbox. Yeah, and add into the fact that I believe Microsoft turned it down. Uh, prior to the Kickstarter, I think that was probably the the other nail in the coffin in that respect yeah. to going over to yeah. Xbox again, um, which is a shame because I think, like you, it needs to be everywhere. But there's there's reasons behind it, and it is what it is. But we will move on. Obviously, we're both looking forward to the anime and what what comes of that. Um, just please don't shadow drop it. That's all I'm going to say <laughs> yeah. on that one because I think I'd lose my mind. But <laughs> Moving away from the Shenmue Circle franchise, obviously you, you've got your own YouTube channel, um, Manny Magnus Garcia, which you set up a few years back. Um, yeah. I love your game sales stuff that you do on there because they, they are so tongue-in-cheek and funny. The Shenmue <laughs> one you did, I had, I had me in stitches for weeks. <laughs> Talk, how did you, or what made you want to go over and just, A, start being a YouTube creator, content creator, and then... How has it sort of grown from that initial idea to what you what you're currently doing? So, I have I created my YouTube channel when YouTube first launched ages ago, but really didn't have any good content on it. And I always wanted to to constantly create um, YouTube videos. I just love creating videos. It's always been in me. I my first videos that I ever did were back in the late nineties making music videos of Sonic Adventure with like Limp Biscuit. <laughs> <laughs> like that's brilliant. Love it. 
And I used like two VCRs and I would present it. Then I filmed a movie and then I presented it to family members. I always liked presenting videos and I've always been into video creation. Um, but I couldn't consistently do it because life itself with yeah. challenges and whatever. So when I finally said, okay, I'm, I'm definitely doing this. Um, I started creating like just like different content because it has always been in me. I was giving like relationship advice and <clears throat> giving funny, making funny videos that, you know, after a week would get like 10 views. And I'm like, there's something I'm not doing right. <laughs> so then one day I just picked up my camera and I'm like, let me talk about um, cameras. Actually, I actually have one camera like here too. I, and a bunch back there. That's where the lights are. I, I started talking about cameras because I loved just talking about cameras to friends. So I'm like, let me do that on YouTube. Yeah. And then surprisingly, that first video in the first day got 50 views, which doesn't sound like a lot, but 50 views. Holy cow. When you had never yeah. had a video be that successful, that means a ton. So I created a camera channel. And I would produce um, one or two videos a week since. And that was like 2016. Yeah. Um, and it did very well. And I got a lot of subscribers. But there was something missing. And what was missing is there was nothing. I couldn't be myself. I just had to please my audience that just wanted to hear about cameras. Yeah. And there's a whole side of me, as you know, creative side with like, as you mentioned, the game sales characters, acting, having fun, playing video games. So I was like, let me create another channel, call it Personal Magnus. And the reason I called it Personal Magnus at the time, because it was personal to me and what yeah. I liked. Cameras are one thing, but it's it's having fun and just being myself. I wanted to kind of show that out. So my first videos were just live stream reviews of like games. And I was like, I enjoy this and this is fun. However, there was something I had in my back pocket and that was... I had created a video and put it on my camera channel regarding Shenmue yeah. and the legacy of it. And that it didn't do too well. And everyone who saw it was like, wow, interesting. I'd never heard of Shenmue, you know, on your camera channel. It's cool, whatever. But they didn't really know. So I'm like, I should re-upload that video that I care so much about. And it's still on my camera channel. I should put it on personal magnets it got a much better response yeah. because the audience was correct. And then I had so much hype build up around Shenmue 3 and I cared about it. And that's when, when it was just kind of like pretty quiet on the scene when it came to development. Yeah. That I, um, that I really started to pick up on, you know what, until this game is launched because I care about Shenmue 3 Every single video I'm going to do is going to be on Shenmue until launch. And that's what I did. So that's where I learned about the Shenmue community. I learned about the passion that they have for the game. I feel like I became a part of it and was welcome to it. So I was, I was honored. And I had, and it just led to like bigger things for me, even though my channels still consider relatively small. I don't think it is because the community gives me a reason to want to keep creating more, not just on Shenmue, but on, on other games as well, because we're all, we're all gamers. And that led up to one of the best days of my life, which was right before Shenmue 3 launched. I had the honor and pleasure of interviewing Corey Marshall, 
Brilliant. for like a couple hours. And, and that was just, I was so nervous. I had like pages of notes on that interview and it was just amazing. You can't replace that moment for me ever. So <laughs> that's what keeps me going. Excellent. That's really cool to hear. And Corey's brilliant to be fair. Yeah. He's yeah. really, it's good fun to interview as well. He, he, um, his personality is, is just a great guy. And at the end of that interview, I recall him and I like talking and he said, he said that, that he had not realized we had talked for nearly two hours. He's like, this was really fun. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, it was the time of my life, you know? Um, and, and I know like from your standpoint too, it's like, interviews are not easy so i have to give you a ton of credit for the amount of work that you are putting in for all of these interviews i mean i I haven't done many in my history but when you have to do this and ask these questions and engage with somebody i mean i i have nothing but respect for you that those experiences drain me as a person like i need a long break so kudos applause to you for for this (laughs) Thank you. I mean, it's not all just me. I've got James who does helps. He does the podcast. He edits all of that. We do that James together. Too. Yeah. Um, and I've got a staff team. We've both got a staff team behind us that, without them, I think we, I probably would go absolutely insane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Quite honestly, with you, I enjoy it. I do absolutely enjoy it. That's why. Yeah, I do it because I love Shenmue and I enjoy myself. Yeah. And it's like you, yeah. your YouTube channel. You enjoy it, so yes, we keep doing it. You need a break from time to time. I had a break from um, probably about a six-week break between doing bits and pieces. But I think that's, for me, just let me reset, go again, especially yeah. with, with the anime and hopefully exciting year coming up. I need, yes. need to be on the game for that. But still on the sort of subject of your YouTube channel, what, what A, have you got any sort of favorite videos that you've created? You talked about your Shenmue stuff. We've got your game sales stuff, then, which is... <laughs> so funny <laughs> so tongue-in-cheek but it appeals to my sense of humor yeah. and what what are the plans for your channel in the next in the next year and just for everybody listening i will be putting the links to magnus's channel um in the description so you can make sure you give him a subscribe and a follow wherever he is thank you um as far as um my favorite video it's hard to to pick one but that's why I'm just going to say my, my game sales playlists mm-hmm. and all those game sales videos collectively, because I, I literally just act as goofy as I possibly can, <laughs> especially with that character. <laughs> and I'm able to make fun of the gaming industry, but also make fun of like obvious things in video games themselves and just act completely like aloof to, <laughs> to, <laughs> to different things and also tell a story which is what i enjoy too so um if it's short story like a one-off or if i'm building like a collection of episodes like i've done with with Shen, with uh game sales uh episodes uh, those have to stand out as as my favorite videos collectively yeah um as far as 2022 and what my future plans i i wanted to continue uh following the shenmu anime yeah. Um, when it comes out, before it comes out, episodes as they're released, reacting to it. I think that's going to be big. Shenmue is going to be big on my channel this year. Mm-hmm. Um, but i also talk about, as I do, kind of like nostalgic games. I'm into to 
like Dreamcast games, Sega Genesis games, things of my childhood, but bringing them into relevance into today. Like, would they work today? Do they have a place to play nowadays? Or should they get a remake or a remaster? Yeah. Should we still be playing? Should we get to know the franchise? Stuff like that. That's where I stick to. Um, and then finally, uh, I'm hoping that, of course, I've got a story arc for the game sales character for this season because I'm yeah. kind of splitting it into seasons so that I can write a complete story arc. Yeah. So he's got a new store now that he's working off of. And that I set up a villain character, and that villain character has a few other tricks up his sleeves that he's going to do this season that's really going to take things in a different direction as they continue to talk about video games and, of course, have fun. Brilliant. Thank you for that. So my last question to sort of bring us to a close is, do you, do you have a message for the Shenmue community? Uh, yeah. Um there's one line in Shenmue, and I'm sure this is not the first time you heard this, but it sticks with me, especially important when it comes to the Shenmue communities. Keep friends and those you love close to you. I think those powerful words mean so much more nowadays. And we, we don't take the time to appreciate those people that matter to us the most. Um, sometimes through the complexities of what we live through day to day, the fact that many of us can't see each other due to obvious reasons, but always keep them close, build your relationships, build, meet new people or talk to new people. That I think is one of the keys to joy in life and is one of the reasons why Shenmue is successful because Shenmue in itself teaches you that. And I think it was from the beginning of the game that they had the right message. And that message will not only help Rio throughout his series, uh, his series of games, I believe, but also us as an audience. Just keep your relationship strong. So it's very important. Thank you. That's a really powerful message to close us out on. So what remains for me to say is thank you magnus for taking the time out of your day to join me for the first episode of uh season two of these interview series much appreciated um for everybody who is is catching this over on youtube spotify wherever the links are in the description for magnus's channel so make sure you you give that a follow i i promise you the game sale stuff is <laughs> it, it's an absolute killer it's brilliant it's well worth the watch and the shenmue coverage is, is as good as any out there so Magnus, thank you for taking the time to join me today. Thank you, everybody who's listening across the world. Thank you for supporting Shenmue and the Dojo. And I will be back with another episode in the very near future. Take care, everyone, and goodbye. Take care. Thank you. <laughs>